You're a few episodes in now, and you are fairly absorbed. It is an eccentric podcast, you will admit. You begin the next episode and note to yourself that this part sounds a little familiar. It's hitting you like something perhaps you've heard before. A deja vu experience that reverberates in your mind can be pleasurable, but it also carries the faint whiff of plagiarism. Or is it homage? Such a fine line. In any case, the narrator seems to be employing some kind of craftiness with a playfully repeated motif. And you're not sure how you feel about it. The narrator seems to be employing some kind of craftiness meant to evoke a playfully repeated motif, and you are not quite sure how you feel about it. Hold on. Did you hear that? You were giving this podcast the benefit of the doubt, but it turns out it's defective. Sure, corrosion may have occurred during the audio export or file transfer. Either way, it's completely unprofessional. Listener, I'm afraid your podcast is faulty. Someone should be held accountable, no doubt. You move forward to the next section only to discover it is an entirely different language than the earlier episodes. So what does this have to do with earlier episodes? Well, apparently nothing. This is bullshit. Capitolo 9 O outro ouvinte Historicamente, Femi sempre foi uma pessoa impulsiva. Ultimamente, no entanto, ela tem um trabalho para desenvolver um senso de paciência mais forte. Durante os primeiros episódios, ela foi tocada the other listener. Historically, Femi had always been an impulsive person. Lately, however, she'd been working on developing a stronger sense of patience. Exercising this newfound patience was the only way she was able to make it through the third episode of The Signal. During the first couple of episodes, she had been touched in a strange way. Now, she pondered logically if it had any relevance whatsoever. Who was the sentinel and what did she want? She was asking something of Femi, but Femi was still unsure exactly what it was. Was it like a podcast with homework? How unfortunate. She was facing real problems in her life after all. Personally, professionally, existentially. She had discovered the podcast independently as a result of her incessant boredom and exhaustive searches. What's so hard about finding something that's both relaxing and meaningful, she wondered. Apparently, it's too much to ask. She was really enjoying the third episode until it veered off into some kind of narrative abstraction. 
she fell asleep while listening. Femi spent the rest of the night struggling against her sheets. Her dreams persisted in cycles, like the podcast itself, neither coming nor going. She was addled by these dreams without clear form, searching for a system within. Just as she seemed to escape an entanglement, she would find herself back at the beginning of the dream. When Femi awoke, she felt an undercurrent of dread. The desert heat was oppressive. She tried not to look at her phone right away. At least she had a guitar lesson to look forward to in the afternoon. Her music instructor was somehow able to get her to relax. Toward the end of the lesson, he would lull her with abstract teachings on music theory. Repetition draws us into music, and repetition draws music into us, her instructor would say. Music works because we remember the tones we have just heard, and are relating them to the ones that are just now being played. It tends to draw us into a participatory stance, so that we're imagining the next note before it happens. In this way, repetition animates our emotional centers and offers us a tiny call to action. Femi stared at him blankly. Tempo allows us to mark the passing of time while exhibiting a pattern for us, he'd say. Melancholy music is ordinarily slower, which permits us to look backward in time. Where melody is the horizontal aspect of music, harmony is the vertical aspect. Together they enable our transportation, he'd say. Chords are made of many single notes, you see. But the listener perceives it as a single entity. A kind of alchemy takes place between the instrument and the ear. Eventually, Femi relaxed, giving in to the illogical lecture. As basic silence is necessary so that the notes may stand out against it, as with our other senses, at times we deprive ourselves in order to allow a space to take shape. Femi cracked a sideways smile. Ultimately, music results in something not tangible. You can write down the notes, but the effect it has upon the listener can never be transcribed. It is exactly like the symbols we use to express mathematics or scripture. The symbols are used to articulate a more profound, invisible truth. These notations serve to turn seeing or listening into thinking and feeling. So music, art, literature, math, religion, they are merely symbols, indicators and arrows which all point toward the actual, ineffable, unrepresentable reality inside us. Do you understand? 
No, Femi sighed. I don't. She walked home the long way, rubbing her temples. She felt lost. She sat on a bench and watched a dog in the distance, hopelessly chasing a group of moving pigeons. Femi pulled out her phone, wondering if the next episode of The Signal had been released. She contemplated the earlier episodes, the weird form she had filled out, and the printed map. On the map, there were the archipelagos to the north, the desert oasis, and far to the east, a monolith. The curator mentioned that, off the map to the west, there was a forest and a river, and on the other side of that river, at a camp, another listener was waiting. The voice of the curator mentioned that listener was on their own journey, heading east. She was looking at her phone when someone walked closely by, with their head turned down, listening to something on their headset. She felt an inscrutable sense of déjà vu. She suddenly recalled the point in her wandering dreams the night before, when a stranger sat by her at the bus stop. In her dream, they talked about the maps. They talked about the signal. They boarded the bus together, headed towards a desert oasis. Soon their conversation had reached a point where they invented repeating phrases, motifs, and inside jokes. I really liked the second episode, she says. Now, I'm not into the third, and I'm just going along with it. I'm afraid to get too attached, you know, and become frustrated again. Slowly nodding your head, you reply, Yes, there is that danger. They joyfully decided they would help each other to solve the general mystification. Finally, she had found an ally. She pulls a bookmark out of the novel she was reading, Italo Calvino's If on a Winter's Night a Traveller. She writes her phone number down on the bookmark and hands it over with a smile. Here, she says. You know they say, whenever two minds come together, they create an invisible force, like a third superior mind, as an unseen collaborator. Was she quoting William Burroughs in her dreams? It had been a long day already. Her music teacher's non-secretors echoed in her mind as a warm breeze lifted the hair resting on her neck. Just as she got up from the park bench, her phone rang. She didn't recognize the number. Hello, she answered. Oh my God, it's you. Devar here, and you are listening to the signal. 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 
The current podcast episode could be justified as fiction, inspired wordings, or even poetry. The general mystification is so extensive it almost demystifies itself. Here the author enters the mind of the recipient and builds up a structure using his or her memories and blurs the line between reality and these memories. It is a sermon written by a priest who can understand the minds of his congregation better than themselves. It is another example of singling out the author as having divine powers, but it should be apparent that the power lies solely within the entity of the listener. This is a central tenet of the general demystification, also known as the doctrine of no doctrine. Did you know that you appear in the dreams of other people? It is a certainty. Just as other people appear in your dreams, you, in some form, appear in the sleeping life of others. And who was it on the other end of the line calling Femi just then? Well, I can't tell you the answer, but I can tell you this. We fall in and out of stories. At the moment, it's difficult to know which story we are in. The news is a story, history is a story, and our own path forward is a story. Yet it appears the coherence of our collective story has frayed and ultimately ruptured. We no longer find ourselves as part of the same myths or legends. We have fallen out of a collective story and find ourselves in disparate and distant tales. This experience is disorienting and isolating. At the end of one era, and in the gap before the next era begins, there is darkness and uncertainty. We may have fallen out of the stories that were intended to hold us together. We may have mostly lost the subtle threads that tie us to the heart of humanity, the planet, and the cosmos, but there is no reason to stay in that condition. We can find a way to open the moment. If you choose to step further into this material unknown, I strongly recommend you go to Signal.com, that is S-Y-G-N-Y-L.com. There you will find a document called Codicil C. Download and open the document. To open the document, you will need to enter the password. The password is... Bookmark. Print the document and follow the instructions therein. The themes and language expressed in this episode were heavily inspired by Italo Calvino's novel... If, on a winter's night, a traveler. This episode has been brought to you today by Delta Particles, a natural pharmaceutical treatment which promotes complete ego dissolution, loss of identity, visits to mythological realms of consciousness, 
transcendence of the normal mass-time-space continuum, ecstatic states of the dissolution of boundaries between the self and external reality, sacredness, unity with nature and universe. Speak with your witch doctor to discuss if delta particles are right for you.